At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Friday, October 13th. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. I'm Justin Klein, and my goal here is to not scare you, but give you the knowledge and the power to make good investment decisions, good money decisions each and every day. To avoid the pitfalls, take advantage of the opportunities, and in order to do that, you need knowledge. Knowledge is power. And that will calm the nerves when you when you invest based on hope, and that's what most people do, unfortunately. That's their strategy. It's hope. But that's not a way to invest. A lot of people hope they get even. Right? You buy a position and you hope and pray that it comes back to where you bought it at. Does that sound familiar? It's a very common practice that novice investors have. But it's not It's not a way to make money. It's not a way to invest. Hope is not a strategy. Having a plan is a strategy. Knowing the data is a strategy. And how to deploy that data. So that's what we're here to help you do. Answer your finance and investment questions as well and give you our unbiased answers developed with over 20 years of investment experience. Now, on today's show, we're going to talk about market performance and run down some, some show topics as well. But we're going to get to our first caller now. Hey, guys. I was wondering if you could take a look at ticker BRC. That's Bravo, Romeo, Charlie, Brady Corporation. Looks like they have pretty good uh, return on equity, growing business, and uh, very low levels of debt along with buying back shares. I was wondering if you could take a look at the stock and tell me what you think about it. Thank you very much. Bye. Ah, I love these questions. I love them. It shows that he understands what a good investment is. He's, you should all go back and replay that question. Actually, Jorge, can we replay that question again? I want to replay it again. Hey guys, I was wondering if you could take a look at ticker BRC. That's Bravo Romeo Charlie Brady Corporation. Looks like they have pretty good uh, return on equity, growing business, and uh, very low levels of debt, along with buying back shares. I was wondering if you could take a look at the stock and tell me what you think about it. Thank you very much. Bye. Think about that. What did he highlight? Good return on equity, so good profitability. A growing business, not a dying business. Low levels of debt, so good balance sheet. And what was the last one? There was one other that was very good. So he's, oh, buying back shares. That's what he was, buying back shares. These are all characteristics of businesses that you want to own. 
And he's correct. This is a business that continues to grow year after year in earnings and in cash flow. They basically have no debt on their balance sheet. They're taking that free cash flow, which right now is about $189 million, trailing 12 months, right near an all-time high. And they're buying back shares. They're doing smart things. And guess what their dividend yields? It's 1.7%. Now, most people are going to go look at it and say, oh, it's only 1.7%. It's too low of a yield. Let me tell you this. You could take probably 90% of the companies in the market right now that are trading with a dividend yield north of, say, 6%. And I would say I would pick this one over 90 plus percent of those other companies. Why? Because either the bond proxies, they have too much debt because they've been paying this dividend for a long period of time and the market is correcting for that risk that they may cut that dividend at some point. Whereas this is a name, it's trading, its yield is 1.7%. And what have they been doing? They've been growing their dividend pretty much every single year. If you go look at a chart, they started paying a dividend back in 1985. That's how long this company's been around for. And right now, the dividend yield is 23 cents quarter on a $54 stock. A decade ago, let's go look at a decade ago, it was at 19 cents. So it's not growing a lot, but it's growing. It's expanding over time. And the price continues to go up. The technicals are fine. It, it, it rallied. It had a big spike in early September. It's been consolidating that. It's pulling back a little bit. But, you know, this gets down. It's, it's entering a support zone right around the 53, 54 range. And now it's at 54, 22. So it's pretty close there. So I like this name. I have no problem with it. Now let's go back. Actually, before I, I move on, I want to highlight what they do. They provide identification solutions and workplace safety products. So kind of a niche market, but most businesses that are very good, they tend to focus on niche parts of the market. And so I like this Brady Corp. BRC is the symbol. All right. Now, we have a lot of cover in the next 45 minutes. So here's what I have planned, time permitting. Now, my main focus point We'll look in the story behind this question. Why is Generation X falling behind on retirement savings? So retirement savings for Gen Xers. And how that plays into retirement planning. Now, retirement planning is something every generation needs to manage. Saving money for retirement in your 40s or saving money for retirement in your 50s isn't dramatically different than saving money for your retirement in any generation. But there are key things to know, and I'll break down the story and pass along my view and some personal finance tips as well. On top of that, we're going to talk about copper, why some leading executives within the space are warning of lack of production longer term for the critical green metal. Also, what is the signal that higher rates are sending to the market? We're going to touch on that. And then lastly, as we head into earnings season, it really kicks off next week, what are rising bond yields 
What does that mean for Q3 bank earnings? So we're going to look at that. And since it's Friday, we're going to share some highlights of the newest KPP premium newsletter. This is coming up after the halfway point of the new podcast. So now let's talk about the market performance for today. Very interesting market today. Overall, you had equities down. But it was very lopsided. Growth was way down. Large cap growth down 8.8%. Large cap value up 0.2%. So about a 1% difference in return just in this day between large cap value and large cap growth. Mid cap growth was down 1.01%. Mid cap value was up 0.2%. Now small cap value, small cap growth that had a little bit closer performance. Small cap growth down 0.9% on the day. Small cap value down 0.7%, but still value outperformed. Then the big story today was really commodities. On the rising geopolitical tension in the Middle East, you had oil up, and most importantly, you had gold up dramatically, despite the dollar slightly stronger on the day. Not dramatically stronger, but a little bit up on the day. But gold reversed all of its losses from the end of September post-FOMC meeting when the Fed was talking really hawkishly about future Fed policy path and strengthen the dollar once again. And that brought gold prices down into the month end. And it stayed down for the first couple of trading days of the of the, the, the month. And uh, as last week, we had the, the rising geopolitical tensions and gold really took off and reversed all of those losses from a couple weeks ago. And that is a launch. To me, this is a launching pad. Uh, This is a large, high-volume thrust from a low, which marks likely a turning point for the precious metal space for various reasons, but obviously geopolitical is the main catalyst here. Oil prices up, and that was what characterized the market today as we close the week and likely will characterize what we see next week as well. All right, the phone lines are open, waiting for you. And as we go to a break, let me remind you to check out our new Invest.Classroom series. It is streaming now for free on our YouTube channel. In episode 10 on index construction is there for you to take a look at and understand, especially in the market where indices dominate flows when it comes to money into 401ks and target data funds and and your robo-advisors, etc. That's where most of this money is going. And so that is a huge dynamic in the market that you have to understand. So to learn more about index construction, just head over to the invest.classroom channel on our YouTube channel. And then the phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. When listener questions are played on the Invest Talk podcast, how do you guys determine a value stock? The caller voices are amplified many thousands of times. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan and BAC. How do you see this uh, looking forward? I'm 25 years old and have a question about retirement funds. And the unbiased answers from Justin Klein. That's why it's trading so cheap because there's a lot of regulatory risk. And Steve Peasley. I, I kind of like it here. If I was going to buy Tyson Food, this is where I'd buy it. Benefit the entire Invest Talk community. Thank you for what you guys do. That's why 24 7, rain or shine, no matter how simple or how complex, your questions make a difference. 
symbol BKE. What's your outlook? And Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. So don't forget to call 888 99CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Now our main focus point looks into the story behind this question, why Generation X is falling behind on retirement savings. And according to Bankrate.com, more than half of Gen X workers are roughly 57% or roughly 57% think it's not likely they will save enough to retire comfortably. So retirement planning is something every generation needs to manage. And there are some key things to know. So let's get into it. I'll break down the story along with my personal finance tips as well. Now, Generation Xers are defined by those born between 1965 and 1980. And the typical Gen X household has just $40,000 in retirement savings in private accounts, according to the National Institute of Retirement Security. So very low amounts. And over half of working adults feel behind on retirement savings. So this is something that's not not exclusive to those that are in their 40s and 50s. But Gen Gen Xers are more likely to feel this way than baby boomers, then millennials, and then Gen Zers. So in that order. So that's what's interesting is that boomers being mainly in retirement or almost to retirement, they are feeling more comfortable about their retirement situation than Gen Xers. Now, Gen Xers workers are also most likely to say they are contributing less to the retirement savings accounts this year compared to last year. So they're having more financial trouble in this time than other generations. Now, 401k balances among Gen Xers is 153,000. That's up 15% from a year ago. So that's positive. But remember, that's just 401k balances. That's if you have a 401k. So not every Gen Xer has a 401k. There's a lot of uh, Gen Xers that own their own business. They came up in a time where there was less trust in the social safety net of government and businesses. And so many of them went out on their own and became entrepreneurs, et cetera. And so that's another issue is those that don't have that automatic saving mechanism of a 401k or a 529 or a 403b, excuse me, et cetera, they are the ones falling behind the most. And obviously, there are rising educational pressures with the cost of higher education being a lot more expensive than their parents. Healthcare costs ballooning. And this is all weighing, weighing heavily, according to Vanguard's Retirement Readiness Report. And they're living longer. They're healthier. And so they need more money to last longer. And so it's really about finding ways to catch up and your 401k, getting that match, opting into it is very, very important in this time. All right. We're going into a break. I'll resume shortly after this break. So the phone lines are open ready for you at 888-99-CHART.
you've got finance and investment questions, and Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready with their unbiased answers. Don't forget to call Investar 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Nick in the Bay Area. Let's talk about Pfizer. Yes, sir. Uh, if I have a couple of years to, you know, hold on to this stock, would you recommend or, or not? I'm just wondering. Thank you very much. Uh, sure. Absolutely. I think this is one of the worst stocks to own in the market right now. They have a high debt load. Uh, their business is, from the pandemic is decelerating rapidly. And they were having a tough time pre-pandemic. So I, I think this is in a clear downtrend. It is struggling to find any level of strength. And that is reflected in the trends in earnings which continue to come down. Earnings this year are expected to be down 50%, 5-0 from last year. So yeah, there's patent cliff issues, there's lawsuits, there's the the COVID vaccine, basically support being withdrawn from government, withdrawn from government. So I don't see any reason to own Pfizer. I think it's one of the worst drug companies to own in this environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Thank you very much, sir. No problem. Thanks for the call. Now, on Fridays, I generally make time to fit a quick rundown of key benchmark numbers. Now, the two-year yield was at 5.05 at the close, and three weeks ago, it was at 5.12. So the two-year has come down, which is interesting, and that is pricing in more Fed rate cuts over the next couple of years. But it's still well ahead of where it was just a year ago at 4.5%. So clearly, it's the, the the economy is stronger from what it, where it was a year ago, but it is starting to show some weakness and the potential for a Fed rate cut. Now, the 10-year, 4.63%. That's up from 4.44 three weeks ago. And if you look back 37 weeks, it was at 3.5 weeks ago. Or like 3.5%, excuse me. So the 10-year continues to rise. And this is a trend that although in the near term, I think we're close to cyclical peaks in interest rates. Secularly, which I'll talk to in a minute, we're likely to see higher rates. So, you know, could we see lower rates in the next 12 to 18, 24 months? Sure. But ultimately, we're going to see higher rates over the next five, 10 years. All right. Now, gold was priced at 1930 an ounce at the close today. Four weeks ago, it was at 1925. So it shows you that reversal. It was at 1800 just last week. And so, a big reversal on the week for gold. Silver, same thing 2275 per ounce and a big re- reversal on that front. And as I talk, talked about at the top of the show, this was a huge week for precious metals and likely marks the start of that next leg higher. All right, the national average for gasoline, $3.62. That's down from three weeks ago at $3.85, but up from 87 weeks ago, $3.57. So we're still in an uptrend, longer term, but down over the last few weeks. Now here in California, $5.66 per gallon, down from three weeks ago at $5.78. So those are kind of the near-term trends in in commodities as well as 
uh, interest rates and something important to continue to watch. Uh, and you're going to see a lot more volatility from both interest rates and commodities going forward as we enter a more volatile geopolitical environment. Speaking of that, let's touch about touch on copper. And this is coming out of a recent summit on, in, on copper. And the world's largest copper producers are warning that there's a lack of mines under development to deliver enough of the metal, of the yellow metal, or the, or the, the orange metal, uh, to keep pace with the clean energy transition. They also highlight labor shortages holding back the potential for new supplies that are vital for things like manufacturing electric vehicles and upgrading electric grids. So the president of Freeport McMoran, the largest U.S. copper producer, said that higher copper prices alone are not going to be enough to secure the, uh, enough of the metal for the world to go fully green. And so what she says is that she fears that the energy transition will get extended out farther because of the increasing costs. Now, the demand for the commodity is expected to take uh, off supply uh, to take off to supply the green energy transition and support the rise of countries like India who are growing have good demographics China has poor demographics India has one of the best demographic profiles in the world a lot of young people and they continue to want higher living standards the average westerner requires 200 to 250 kilograms of copper per person per year versus in the developing world only 60 kilograms on average. So as those developing nations rise out of poverty, they will require more copper. And this is used in everything from electric wiring to household appliances and infrastructure, such as trains. The forecast is for the demand to double to 50 million tons by 2035 from 2021 levels. And this is clear that the lack of investment in new production, which often takes 10 to 15 years to build these new mines, is going to manifest in likely higher copper prices over the next decade. And that's why when we're talking about green, green minerals and metals, a lot of people talk about lithium and batteries. I find copper to be far more attractive than lithium due to these dynamics. All right. In the next Invest Talk, we'll look into the story behind this question. Social Security recipients and their inflation-adjusted cola. What does that mean for you? That story is Monday, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools, 
to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hey guys, this is James from Georgia. I was trying to reach Justin, Steve, Luke. Got a question. I got this stock. I've had it for a while. EGY, that's Balco Energy. It's a common stock. I'm trying to see what are your thoughts about this. It's an oil, gas, and consumable fuel industry, independent energy company, and it's in the acquisition, exploration, development, and production of crude oil, natural gas, natural gas liquids. Do I need to add to this thing? It's pretty cheap. I'm curious. Your thoughts. Appreciate your advice. I look forward to your answer when I listen to the show. Thanks, guys. All right. This is Valco Energy, and the symbol is EGY. And you're correct. That's what they do. This is an independent EMP company here in the United States, headquartered in Houston, Texas. But what's interesting about this name is that although they're domiciled here in the U.S., most of their production is abroad. Now, they have some exposure to Canada, and that's good. That's a safe jurisdiction. But if you look at the rest of their exposure, it's in Gabon, Egypt, Equatorial Guinea, among other kind of risky regions. And the most of the revenue comes from their Gabon segment. And so with rising geopolitical tensions around the world – and look what happened recently in Niger. Do you want to be exposed to this, those tensions that continue to rise? That's the question. Now, when you're looking at the valuation, it is absolutely cheap. You can't argue with that. They have no debt in their balance sheet. In fact, they have a lot of cash, about roughly $50-55 billion million in cash on a market cap of $445 million. They're very profitable. That's fine. But, and they're trading at enterprise value to EBITDA two times. But there could be a coup in any one of their regions at any given moment that's going to impair their ability to produce and thus earn profits. And that's my problem with it. If you're just looking at the quantitative metrics, yes, it's very cheap. But if you understand about the qualitative analysis, which is always part of every analysis you need to make, you'll understand why it's trading so cheap. Now, you could say, well, I'm comfortable with those regions and the political stability within those regions, and therefore, over time, the cash flow and the earnings are going to be used to 
pay out dividends, which right now 5.3%. It's probably going to increase over time. Right? They may take that cash flow and buy back shares. And all of that's going to be good for you, the shareholder. But that's a big bet. Especially when a lot of other names are performing much, much better. The current relative strength of this is 44. XLE is 83. Just a broad energy ETF. So this is drastically underperforming the sector. And you are being exposed to extreme geopolitical risk. So, no, I wouldn't be buying more. In fact, I would probably be selling it and moving it to a name whose production is in a more desirable jurisdiction that isn't prone to political uprisings and coups. Okay. Let's keep things going and play two in a row from the Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888 chart. I have a question about Boise Cascade Company. Wood products and building materials distribution company was kind of liking what I saw in regards to some of the things that they're doing and was wondering what you thought about the company. Uh, really appreciate your answer and uh, I'll be looking forward to the answer on the podcast. Thanks. All right. This is Boise Cascade. BCC is the symbol and they produce engineered wood products and plywood and they distribute it. So their business has been doing very well. Earnings were $2.09 in 2019. And then the pandemic hit and their earnings exploded to $6 and change in 2020, nearly $18 in 2021, and $21.56 last year. However, this year, earnings are expected to only be 40, or are supposed to be down 46% to $11.64, down another 6% next year. And the trends in the chart are starting to break, along with the other home improvement companies. Think of Lowe's and Home Depot. Those are now in a downtrend. Home Depot is below all the major moving average averages. Same with Lowe's. Those are all starting a downtrend. And Boise Cascade supplies to home builders. And home builders are building less. And so... As we enter the last phase of the economic cycle before recession, I don't think it's the name that I want to own. What's been holding up the home builders and those that supply home builders and home buyers is the fact that people still had jobs. The, the, the job market was good. And it continues to weaken. Despite those headline numbers, those are misnomers. Don't listen to them. The jobs market's weakening. And that means less buyers of homes, less people refinancing. Nobody's basically refinancing their home to cash out and, and, and remodel their home, right? And then if you're worried about your job, you're probably not remodeling your home or buying a new home. That's what's hap- That's what kind of held up the... New home market was teaser rates saying, hey, yeah, mortgage rates are at seven, but we can get you five. Well, now mortgage rates are seven and a half. And, you know, the cost continues to be exorbitant. 
on the debt side to pay for the homes at these current prices. And so I don't like the trend in earnings for Boise Cascade. I don't like the trends in the economic backdrop. Now, it's a good company. I will say that. It's a good company. But what I worry about is what is trend earnings? We're really going to stay elevated at $10 a share in earnings? If we are, it's probably fairly cheap. If that's the new trend level of the earnings, it's cheap at $93 a share. But if we head closer to that $2 level that we were at pre-pandemic, it is egregiously overvalued. So I don't, I don't love it. I would pass on it. Keep it on my watch list to see where those earnings level out at. But until then, I would pass on Boise Cascade BCC. All right, now the KAPP Premium Newsletter was finished today and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning and I have a preview. In the stock market section, we explain that stock results today were mixed as traders assessed the first significant earnings and rising inf- inflation expectations of Q4. The Dow was up slightly while the S&P and the NASDAQ were negative midway through the trading day. That was midway through today. The shift was announced. The shift was influenced primarily by the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment data, which showed a drop in October sentiment and surge in inflation expectations, along with geopolitical winds rising. Major financial firms, including JP Morgan and Wells Fargo, reported positive Q3 earnings, with their shares jumping just after the open. Let's see. Did we close? Yeah, Wells Fargo did close up pretty nicely today. Now, the 10-year yield fell a little bit as many began to sharpen their focus on the importance of rates and predicted potential market turbulence for October. In the healthcare sector, Kaiser Permanente Healthcare Workers Union and Company reached a tentative agreement, potentially resolving a payment and staffing dispute that led to U.S. medical sector's largest ever strike involving 75,000 workers. Now, the latest CPI release showed that the gains on taming inflation may have hit a roadblock, although price increases have decelerated from last year's 40-year peak. Core inflation, which excludes food and energy, saw a slight acceleration last month. CPI increased by 3.7% year-on-year, with core prices rising 4.1%. Inflation was highly concentrated in the services area of the economy. The labor market remains tight, with businesses competing for a limited workforce, but that is waning. And as we enter Q4, there's a lot of uncertainty about not just global demand, but rising tensions in the Middle East and how they may play out. There's a lot more commentary on different sectors and different asset classes in our newsletter. Now, the stock ideas section highlights one of the largest natural gas distribution companies with approximately 32, sorry, 3.2 million customers in Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. And its electric utility transmission distribution electricity d- transmits and distributes electricity in northern Indiana to about 500,000 customers. Dividend growth is likely to be 6% annually during the next few years before accelerating to keep pace with earnings in 2025 and beyond. We also look at a leading digital chip maker focused on the design and manufacturing of microprocessors for the global personal computer and data markets. The company expects to leverage its chip manufacturing capabilities into outsourced foundry model where it constructs chips for others. We name names over in the newsletter. All right, now there's a good deal of valuable information in the KPP Premium Newsletter. When you subscribe at investtalk.com, you will receive the newsletter each Saturday morning via your inbox. Just subscribe over on investtalk.com. 
And hopefully you will tell your friends about the invest about invest talk. Remember that I said earlier when I spoke about the importance of saving money for retirement. This is a process. It requires your commitment and your discipline. And that's what we're going to help you do is to hone in on that discipline, not make decisions based on emotions, but on the facts on the ground. So let's, t- let's talk a bit about facts on the ground, and that is the deficit in the bond market. Now, the U.S. has been, long been the lender of last resort for the world. It's been a place of safety during turbulent times, whether that was emerging market panics in the 90s, the global financial price crisis in 08, or even the pandemic in 2020. But now treasuries are a source of risk. And this is because the scale and trajectory of U.S. borrowing and really the absence of any political way to resolve this. Neither side is being frank and honest about the challenges of our budget. Both want to spend in different ways. And nobody wants to tackle the vast majority of our debt and our budget, and that is entitlements. And so this is manifesting in higher yields and what is called the term premium. And that's what's been rising as of late. Short-term rates haven't moved much over the past six months. But long-term rates have. And that's because of the deluge of issuance by the Fed. They announced this in July. A trillion dollars plus in issuance over the back half of the year. And so this is a new environment. This is not the era where central banks are worried about low inflation and stagnant growth. When they kept interest rates low and they bought bonds. Quantitative easing. Instead, they're doing the opposite. They're doing quantitative tightening. And fiscal policy matters again. Now, what's the old saying? How did I go bankrupt gradually and then suddenly? Well, I'm not saying the, the, uh, the government's going bankrupt, but what's happening is the credit markets or the, sorry, the treasury markets are becoming increasingly dysfunctional. And that gradually is starting to become more suddenly. And when they issue a lot of debt, that capital has to come from somewhere, either by leveraging up balance sheets or by selling assets. Now, the U.S. isn't a third world country, mainly because it controls the world's reserve currency. The issue, though, is that we've exploited those advantages and ignored the accumulation of debt and run deficits much larger than our peers. Now, the question I have is, Why isn't this being talked about enough? Really at all. Where are the headlines that are saying we are an unsustainable fiscal path? That there's a new paradigm shift. That these higher rates are a signal. That the federal deficit being over 7% in times where unemployment rate is below 4 just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's the largest deficit since 1930, outside of wars and recessions. So where will the deficit go in normal times when maybe you have a 5% unemployment rate? And it started to matter in other markets like the UK, Japan, 
Italy. And what you're seeing here is the start of the popping of the first major sovereign debt bubble in our lifetimes. Now, I've said this before. It's very unlikely that the government is going to default nominally. What they're likely to do is default with inflation. It's a much easier political path. And the currency is the release valve here. So when the credit markets get dysfunctional because there isn't enough private sector balance sheet to handle this level of treasury issuance, they're going to have to pause QE, sorry, QT. And it's going to weaken the currency, but that stokes inflation. And it's a vicious cycle. And that's likely what you're headed, where you're headed for. And remember, the heads of both parties, both Donald Trump and President Biden, neither of them have any plan to cut deficits. They may talk about it, but neither of them care to or have any intention to. All right, this is Invest Talk. We're heading to our final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Duncan from New York. Thank you for all that you do. I would like to revisit a investing thesis. I currently have this ETF, Veggie Shares, V-E-G-I. And I also have a couple of uh, individual stocks from Veggie Shares, FCX and Mosaic. And I just wanted to ask you just whether or not you think this is a good trade to just continue investing in. Uh, I have a lot of energy stocks, but I do know that with the war going on, I just wanted to see if this would be a good option to kind of invest in. Thank you very much and looking forward to the answer. Bye. All right. Looking at VEGI, which is the iShares MSCI Agriculture Products ETF. So these are companies within the ag space. You have Deere as the largest holding here, 22.5% of the portfolio, which is by far the largest position. And then you have and Deere obviously makes tractors and, and equipment for, in the, for the farm industry. Archer Daniels Midland uh, makes seeds and other products uh, for the ag space. And then you have other fertilizer companies in there. Uh, that's a big part of the, the top 10 as well. Um, but what you can see here is it's in a downtrend. It's in a pretty strong downtrend. If you look at the relative strength, we're at 36. So it's clearly underperforming. And especially underperforming, like you said, energy, other basic material sectors. And, you know, the IYM, the broad basic material ETF, that's 54. So, you know, the, the trends here are not good. Uh, I think mainly it's because of deer, right? Deer is not doing uh, too hot. It's relative strength is only 48. Uh, so I would focus more on the some individual names within this ETF. Uh, there are some names in this top 10 that I like, but I don't love the trends overall. 
Uh, and ag is more difficult. Ag is more difficult than the energy space, mainly because new supply is pretty easy. Right? It's easy to bring on new supplies, all of the supply constraints in the ag space. So I don't love, this is probably the weakest area of commodities that you'd want to own. And if I'm going to own any at all, it would be very specific companies within the top 10, but I wouldn't be owning this ETF. All right. Now, lastly, let's touch on the banking industry and the trends uh, within the industry going into Q3 earnings. Now, first, higher short-term rates typically have, are good for bank pro- profits. But today, that has not been the case, mainly because many banks, along with individuals, loaded up on longer duration assets, like 10-year treasuries. And now many of them are yielding less than the, their cost of funding. And we know with the banking crisis in the first quarter, it forced a lot of these banks to increase the amount they're paying their, their customers on savings accounts and CDs, et cetera. And so these higher short-term rates are not good for them. And the yield curve is inverted. Now, what you can say is the recent rise in what we talked about, the term premium, meaning the longer duration bonds, that is been good, that's going to be good for bank banks overall. But that does make the current value, it's good for banks overall on profitability, but it makes their balance sheets weaker. And that's kind of their, what they're battling with here. They want to see those longer term rates higher because when they issue mortgages, for example, now instead of six and a half, now they're getting seven and a half. And those higher yields will eventually boost earnings over time. But near term, those longer dated issues that they own, assets that they own, are going to go down in value. So they're going to be battling with how to deal with the regulatory pressure. And so I think the smaller names are going to have much more trouble because they're having to raise their deposit rates much higher than those bigger banks. And that's why I continue to say, I don't love the banking industry overall, but if you're going to invest in any, it's going to be the larger banks. All right, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our show and our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.